superchargers, headlights, and more. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. With over 122 million parts and eBay guaranteed fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Plus, with prices that don't break the bank, you can stay on your A-game. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Are you self-conscious about your smile due to stains? Have you ever wished that you had a whiter and brighter smile? Smile Actives is a safe and affordable alternative to expensive whitening procedures. You simply add Smile Actives gel to your toothpaste every time you brush your teeth making it the easiest teeth whitening solution out there. In a clinical trial, Smile Active's users reported up to five shades whiter on average, all within seven days. No change to your routine, no extra time. Right now, they are running a buy one, get one offer. Hurry to smileactives.com iHeart today to receive this special offer with free shipping and handling. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, pick and roll! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back. Day two of Senior Bowl action is in the books. We are back to discuss all the things and stuff that happened in day two. We're going to own some L's, myself personally. We're going to talk about it. I know I'm waiting for our dubious host, Thor Nystrom, to get up in here. Going to invite him. So as people kind of filter in and talk through the players, we're going to run through winners, losers, everything in between. Jury's down on some guys and news. Taking your questions as we roll through all of this. As well as everybody, look, thank you for tuning into this. Uh, it's been a blessing for us to sit here and provide uh, Senior Bowl content for everybody. Year two of us being here. We're going to be back next year as well. It was another glorious day, as you could see. Um, got a little bit of sun. Froton, what's going on, my man? Hey, I have some sun as well. Let's not, I don't want to be left out of this conversation. You just can't see the, the red hue around my face here from yesterday, but... Dude, I swear, I feel, I feel like I, I like everything feels like it's on fire. My lips, my face, all the things. I think the first guy we got to talk about because we were, I'm, I'm not going to say not kind, but we were being realistic about the type of day that Joe Milton had to start Senior Bowl, and it was not pretty. So if you um, caught yesterday's live, we talked about Joe Milton. I mean, it was scattershot, man. Balls were going everywhere, not in receivers' hands. Uh, you saw a lot of velocity. You just didn't know where the hell it was going across the field. Day two looked much better, and I kept joking, okay, well, it couldn't have got much worse than day one, but to give Joe Milton his flowers, he did play better today, more accurate uh, balls, I mean, consistently through the day. You didn't see these kind of waxing and wanings of, of accuracy. I thought he was more decisive, and the ball came out of his hands quicker. I, absolutely. I, I totally agree. Milton was not good on Tuesday. Whether mm -hmm. that was not comfortable, you know, for quarterbacks, it's tough on the first day. You have to learn all the new teammates. You have to learn the, the terminology of the playbook you're only going to use for a week, different stuff like that. But his accuracy was playing way down. And like you mentioned, today was way better. Obviously looked more comfortable, but the accuracy uh, ticked way up as well. Looked more confident, was ripping it down the field as well. Froton, uh, a quarterback for you that, that opened your eyes today. 
Yeah, well, I mean, it's as we talked about yesterday, there wasn't anybody who really went out and floored us. And while I'm not saying that I was floored here, I, I, I would say that um, it was a, a solid, credible day two performance bounce back out of Michael Pratt for Tulane. Uh, I feel like I'm a little higher on him maybe than Debro is, of course, but um, you know, I have him as my QB three at the senior bowl. And I do feel like he's done some things better than Bo Nix. Namely, he's one of the few quarterbacks that we've seen be willing to test the second and third levels. You've seen so many checkdowns. If there's ever a refrain we're hearing in the stands when we're watching some of these quarterbacks, it's we want to see them test these 11 you know, team drills a little more. And we saw that from Pratt uh, hit a couple of very nice, you know, 15 to 25 yard shots over the middle, um, had a much better command into when he was hitting the flats as well. I just thought it was a, just a, a more complete performance. Uh, there's certainly still room to be done there, but I did uh, think we, we saw an uptick out of Michael Pratt in terms of what he's capable of out there. Yeah, finishing up with the quarterbacks, the guy that I would uh, call a, a winner today is Michael Penix, a guy that yesterday we put him more in the kind of jury still out bucket. Uh, he clearly was showing the most arm talent, but he was struggling with the things that we had questions about coming in. So on both ends of it, he was sort of uh, confirming your priors, in particular struggling with the pressure, you know, with the, the very quick pressure coming up with that that second thing to do really quick in his head. He doesn't have the escapability of some of these other quarterbacks. Uh, in college, he had a better offensive line. They won the Joe Moore Award last year. So there wasn't quite as much of that. But the games where you saw pressure in his face, where he was moved off of his spot, that's when he began to struggle. Not good throwing on the run, different stuff like that. Um, today, still saw some struggles with the pressure. But was we have to give him, we, I mean, we have to say it was clearly showing the most out there as a thrower as he has done this entire event so far. So we do have to give him his flowers for that. I, he has, you know, clearly been the best thrower at this event so far. The the pressure thing is something that he is going to have to work on. It's, it's, it's you know, I mean, that that's going to be something going into his NFL career. Guys, moving to uh, losers. Was there anyone at the quarterback position today that you did not think had as, as good of a day or that you don't like as much this event so far? Oh, man. You want me to kick that off, Thor? Yeah. Uh, dude. Bro, you're up. Bo Nix had another – there's no way we can't sugarcoat – a terrible day, wretched day. Um, he was fumbling snaps. He looked indecisive. The, the accuracy was just not there. And for a quarterback that really – I, I think if you're looking at entering this process, the two guys that I feel like had the most to kind of prove uh, as far as helping their draft stock and cementing themselves as, I mean, some of these guys like Penix and Bo Nix have been talked about in some circles as round one picks. Penix and Bo Nix are the guys that, I'm not going to say that Penix is face planted, but a lot of the questions that I entered the process with for him, he hasn't answered. And Bo Nix, I feel like he has face planted. It's just been two terrible days back to back. And if you had round one hopes on him, you, I, I think you could pretty much kiss that goodbye unless he just crushes team interviews and a team falls in love with him. You're looking at it, he's probably a round two. I don't want to sound like I'm crazy, but maybe a round three guy. It's been bad, guys. But I'm, am I insane by saying that, Froton? No. No, and I, I alluded to it a little bit in my Michael Pratt commentary there, but, um, you know, I, I, I do think that there is a path that you see Michael 
Penix, uh, excuse me, Michael Pratt taken above the QB7 mark where we traditionally kind of have him right now. You know, you have the top three, Jaden Daniels, uh, Drake May, and obviously Caleb Williams. And you have the, what is the, the common, you know, feeling, Bo Nix, JJ, McCarthy, Michael Penix. The way Nix is playing, I, I really do think there's a world where you could you could see Pratt or you know even Rell or somebody kind of sneak into that. Not because anyone else is doing something particularly well or anything, but just because Nix is not has not been very good at all, and there's really no way to get around it. Yeah, I I forgot one of the winners of the quarterbacks that we haven't brought up yet from this week. It's JJ McCarthy. JJ yes. McCarthy. Now you can almost put a bullet next to his quarterback four designation. Yep. He's got to be watching this week feeling really good. Um, You know, again, Penix, for me, Penix is right where he was before. I I don't know how your opinion has changed on Penix. The things that Penix is good at, we've seen that. Like I said, best throwing talent here, best best arm talent here. But also the things that he struggles at, he has also struggled with here. So he's he's on the same plane, whereas Bo Nix has not played well at all. Um, we were, you know, the three of us here were not Bo Nix believers. We're mm-hmm. guys that saw Bo Nix at Auburn. The last time he had to sit back in a pocket and survey the field was bad at it. Didn't have the awareness of the pass rush coming in, in, in that context, in that offense, when he had to sit back there, go through progressions. And then his arm, you see the velocity on those intermediate throws, Right. And that's where he gets lauded, I think, from people for his quote-unquote arm strength, where that Wayans is throwing down the field. He's got to throw the kitchen sink into those balls to get it down there. And all throughout his career, whether it was Auburn going to Oregon, when he really had to get those moonshots down there, you would start to see the, the accuracy wavering, start to see more ducks out, out of Bonix in, in terms of that stuff. Uh, those were the things that, that we were, you know, curious about coming in in, in here. The people that like Bonix, they would give him the benefit of the doubt and say, just wait till you see him in an offense that's not like Oregon's, where he's just doing the quick hitting stuff right after he gets the ball after the snap out to the perimeter and then letting those receivers run. The thing that juiced up his accuracy numbers, things that you know, the, the interceptions went down, everything like that, and, and he got all those yards for him. Uh, my response to that coming into this event was we saw that at Auburn and he struggled. He has badly struggled at that stuff at this event. The stuff he's comfortable with, it's first read right when he gets the ball, turning to the left or the right and throwing the funnel screen. That's the stuff that Bonix is good at. Chucking down, he's done plenty of that at this event. He's tucked and ran more at this event, I think, than the coaches would like. Bo, you're a guy that's supposed to be a first-round pick, according to some people. Why don't we let air the friggin' thing out, man? Like, you know, that that stuff is a little bit frustrating. You're not seeing his skill set, the, the thing that, that people were billing him as, play up at this event. You're sort of seeing bad bow and then him starting to get risk averse with some of that stuff. So I totally agree. He, he's a big loser. I, I, I agree. And I want to hammer on the point but, uh, it, before we transition to running backs and stuff that I think was really needs to be driven home here is that J.J. McCarthy, I think it is a fantastic point. He stands in a tier by himself now. I don't think that he is in any competition with Penix or Bo Nix for the tier that he is in right now. I think that they have significantly lost 
whatever steam they were going to build up into the NFL draft, or you saw Penix in that game uh, in the college playoffs, that has all evaporated, and it has gone away quickly. McCarthy stands alone by himself in a tier. Yeah, what's, what's kind of interesting is I've noticed with these three quarterbacks in early dynasty trading with the rookie drafts, it's like you have the top seven that, that's pretty much established across the rookie dynasty landscape. And then from 1.08 to about 2.3, there's a, it's very fungible. There's no real status that's been established for how that is going to look. And it's going to continue to change as we get closer to the combine and then beyond. We were seeing Knicks most of the time going as that QB4. Right now, I think it completely knocks him out of the rookie first round. Absolutely. I wouldn't consider him anywhere in there. And it probably even knocks out of that, that turn pocket for me where it goes right up to about 2-3. I think you're looking at like 2-5 plus in Superflex you know, rookie drafts, which we all know how, we, how vital quarterback play is. And we saw how many different quarterbacks start a game in the NFL, some terrible ones. Like, they're the lifeblood of the league. And with the way Knicks is is playing, you're knocking them down in the mid-second round, maybe even beyond territory. And, and that is not where you want to be. I, I agree, maybe beyond that, because if his draft stock falls from the second to the third round, I mean, you can kiss it goodbye. Any type of certainty oh, that gone. he gets a it's chance gone. to start in year one, maybe not even in year two. I mean, all the type of draft capital, lovely, like little warm blanket that we cling to in Dynasty. We're like, oh, he's got the capital. He might not play great, but he's got the capital. If that goes away, <laughs> give me wide receivers, running backs, because we're going to talk about running backs, and there's a lot of good ones here that could hop him if they get that type of round three, round four capital coming up. Well, I know a pro professional transition when I see one, so let's let's do exactly <laughs> that. Going over to running backs. Winners from today. Debro, I'll, I'll let you kick this one off. There was a, a few different running backs today that, that opened some eyes. Kick us off with someone that, that you like today at the running back position. Man, I'm just going to go with the easy, the chalk pick, the number one guy, and, and getting to interview him at the media luncheon was fantastic. Marshawn Lloyd has crushed every single spot in Senior Bowl. He has been eloquent in all the interviews, ours included, and if you're looking for that, that, that will be up later, uh, if not tonight, tomorrow on the main Fantasy Pros account, so stay tuned for that, but fantastic interview great kid he has looked explosive as hell at every opportunity rocked up and th the questions about his eval and i'm not gonna say the questions but the fact of we did not see heavy pass game utility for marshawn lloyd in the in, in the collegiate but has he shown out here and given every opportunity to do so every time he has run a route he has gained separation. Every time he has been up against a defender in a route, he has won. He has made good catches. He has looked explosive. He has weighed in. I mean, he has checked box after box after box after box. And I'm not going to say that he's going to be a round three pick, but I'm here to tell you he is not leaving the fourth round without hearing his name called in the NFL draft. No doubt about it. You tried to get his 40 time out of him during that interview, <laughs> bro. It's such a good answer, man. He I was like, tell him, was he? No, 
man, I was like, okay, so look, you've looked explosive all week. I set it up, man. I was like, you've looked great. Come on, Dan. Tell me what that 40 time looks like. He got grinning from ear to ear, baby. I mean, that grin could not have extended farther, maybe up into his scalp. And he's like, you're going to have to wait to see it, baby. <laughs> and we will. We'll be looking forward to it. But I, I totally agree with that. Froton, a winner from you for the running back position today. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely want to echo what Devro said about Marshawn Lloyd and about what he's put out here over the past two days. I came in a Marshawn Lloyd fan. You know, I, I sort of looked at him in the periphery of that top five. I, I had him right around five, um, but I wanted to see what he could do. I mean, solidly put him in there in that top five. You literally cannot keep him out um, even on a a day where, I mean, I think when it comes to running backs, the way that the offensive line for the American team, especially, and the national team blocked from day two, as opposed to day one, was night and day out there. I mean, we saw multiple yeah, runs, you know, breaks, uh, two guys that I thought were really good, M Michael Wiley, running back for Arizona, a passing game specialist, you know, over the course of this season, Jonah Coleman, who will be, uh, you know, certainly used often. You'll hear his name next year. Uh, a more stout Kamani Vidal-esque, dare I say, bowling ball proportion. You, you should say, yes. <laughs> you know, he's he's more of that thumper type. And, and Wiley played a more dynamic role. But look, he came in and weighed in at 215. He, he's where he needs to be. He has done pretty well running the ball between the tackles before. And today... We saw him do that very thing. I saw three different times where he broke out of the pile and uh, and found daylight. And that simply wasn't happening for hardly any running backs yesterday. Obviously, Marshawn Lloyd was involved in well, but um, another running back who deserves his time, Ray Davis for Kentucky. Yes. I mean, just exceptional. Again, same type of build. You know, these we, we're liking the, the squat type backs, five, eight uh, and a fourth. 220 pounds, you know, out of Ray Davis, worked his way up Temple for his first few years, then went to Vanderbilt and just ran against stacked boxes in the SEC for two years until he was finally rescued by Mark Stoops and Liam Cohen, their offensive coordinator at Kentucky, and they rode him like the bell cow he is this year, and you see for those running backs who are shorter, have, have the more compact frames, the, the fluidity, the hips, you know, the fact that he could get up and, and you know, when he needed to break out, he could gas it up. And he didn't catch passes for the first four years of his career. Did a little more of it this year. Did a ton of it today. And every time I saw him catch a pass, it was fluidly. It was smooth. It looked natural. And he was turning the ball upfield and making, looking good. So uh, those would be two guys who were certainly under the radar for fantasy purposes. You might see Ray Davis slip into the fourth round, maybe the tippity top of the third from a fantasy, from a dynasty rookie perspective is what we're looking at. Um, I, I think he should be solidly in the third round. The, the two guys I tossed out, a little bit more off the beaten track, but Kamani Vidal, my boy. I, I thought he's been moving really your well boy. out there. Your boy. Those boy. Both days. Uh, today looked really good as a route runner. I talked to Kamani on the field on Tuesday. He talked about the importance of, of showing off his route running ability, his pass catching ability. He felt in Troy's offense that wasn't utilized maybe as much as it could have been. He was obviously the workhorse of that offense, face loaded boxes, et cetera, uh, in, in terms of that usage. But 
he wanted to show that he's a receiver as well. I think all four years he was there, he had at least he had either 18 catches or 200 receiving yards all four years at college. But there wasn't that one year, you know, like he was sort of alluding to in terms of the system where he got pounded with targets, whatever. He's looked really good as a receiver here. His agility is really, really good. He has those really clean cuts and then he's you know, changing directions, whatnot. Really difficult for guys to stay with him in the open field. He's been creating separation uh, and looking really natural, catching the ball and then transitioning into being a runner up field. Uh, another guy, shout out Cody Schrader, I think is a guy who is... He, he's just like a quiet workman-like guy who just like quietly impresses every day. He's not doing anything to like totally blow your socks off, but every assignment is done correctly. I think his athleticism is a little bit better than we thought. His footwork is dynamite. I mean, it was on film, but, but it was like, is this guy just a grinder is, you know, athletically limited, whatever. I think the athleticism has been a little bit better than we thought coming in. And he's shown me more in the passing game than I thought he would coming in. You know, speaking of a guy that maybe didn't get to display that, certainly at his last stop at Missouri, he was the bell cow there in the run game. But when Missouri went back to pass, they were thrown to a guy named Luther Burden, who we're going to be talking about in the first round next April. Uh, They weren't thrown to the running back as much. Cody Schrader has looked pretty solid as a receiver at this event as well. Um, I think he's opening some eyes there um, uh, in in that aspect of his game. Uh, Losers at the running back position. Debra, is there anyone that comes to mind to you, whether it's today or whether it's the last couple of days, that you would have put put a stock down on? Well, before I transition this to losers real fast, I, I'm kind of surprised you didn't bring up another one of your boys here, Isaiah Davis, because I thought he looked really good in the one-on-ones and pass game drills and stuff. Very fluid. Um, and for a guy that really didn't show out, again, we're talking about unused utility in the passing games and these kids being able to come here and really kind of showcase their skills. He's a guy that I think opened some eyes today in the one-on-ones, but as far as any losers, man, I mean, look, I, we talked about Wiley. I was kind of hoping, I, I think he performed well in pass pro drills, but for a guy that his analytical profile, and again, from various people that I've talked to around mobile, I don't know if Wiley is fully healthy, so not trying to give him a full pass, but if he is still dealing with things or dinged up and he attended this event anyway, because again, they're trying to help their draft stock and they should be, but if he's not fully healthy, then again, take this with a grain of salt, but Wiley's a guy that I honestly was expecting maybe a little bit more juice out of. I think some of his routes, he's looked smooth, but not explosive. A lot of the routes as well versus defenders and coverage. He hasn't gained a ton of separation for a guy that I think a lot of dynasty managers and Proton hit this, you know, on the head as far as like looking for these running backs, maybe because Wiley's going to be a guy that probably falls in the round three, round four conversation in dynasty rookie drafts. He's a guy that I still like the profile. I want to see him test and things like that. But I don't really think for a guy that I was hoping that I had not seen a lot of film on that looking at just from the analytical profile, I was hoping to see more from here in Mobile. I haven't seen it just yet. Froton, was there there anyone you would toss out as far as a running back that hasn't been impressing you so far? Yeah, Imani Belly, I guess I didn't. You know, coming into it, you want to see, okay, you come in with a clear slate. I want to see, is there going to be something that jumps out about anybody? You you try to not have any preconceived notions. Um, And coming in with Imani Bailey, you just just 
I'm waiting to see something that pops. He had, I think, one run that really kind of caught my attention over the past two days, one one catch. But, um, you know, he's, he's noticeably small uh, and with a not a real – you know, something, a, a trait to hang his hat on, you know, he isn't particularly fast and explosive. So I, I just think at his size, I wanted to see more dynamicism that I simply haven't seen. I, for a time, I'm going to add on top of that, and I'm not going to be quite as kind as you. I think he's looked slow. I think for a guy his size, if you're going to make it in the NFL and be the size and the build that he has, you have to have a trump card. And whether that is explosive lateral agility and short area quickness, and that's how you win, or you've got freaking wheels and you're going to run a 4-3, you need a trump card to be able to kind of rest your hat on to win at the NFL level. And I haven't seen anything close to that. My, I don't want to call him a loser. I want to call it more confirming priors. And I, I was hoping for a little bit more, which was, Dylan Lobby has been awesome as a receiver and we knew he was going to be awesome as a receiver and you can do all that different stuff. When, when we came into this event, I didn't think that he was ever going to be the best running back on an NFL roster to handle any meat and potato running stuff. Like Agreed. for me, it was just, you're sitting dead right on the evaluation of passing down, dude, the other backs on your, your roster are going to handle the other stuff. I was hoping that maybe coming into this event, Dylan Lobby would show me a little bit more as a runner where it'd be like, oh, you know, maybe in this type of a system or in this type of committee, maybe you could squeeze a little more utility out of him as a runner. I haven't seen that, um, which isn't to say he's been disappointing. Sort of like the the running back version of Penix, what I was talking about, about like confirming the priors positively, confirming some of the, the question marks as well. It just sort of same bar that, that we entered, uh, you know, as far as he goes, uh, moving to the receivers, Debro, who, who opened your eyes today on Wednesday, man, I talked about this at the beginning and I teased this and you've given me tons of crap all freaking day, but I'm going to kick it off with this man. And this is not just like, okay, owning a first day L but being legit, being fluid in our evaluations of these kids while we're down here, I slammed Xavier Leggett after day one. And when none of us were that high, Thor, as much as you want to pretend, none of us were that high on him after day one, regardless of where we stood entering this process based off of the film evaluations we did before we got into Mobile. And I was not high on him entering uh, Mobile. Like when I watched his film, he was inconsistent. I felt like for a guy, especially after we got the news that he measured in shorter than we all thought he was going to be, 6'1 versus maybe 6'3, maybe 6'4, and I think he moves kind of like a 6'4, 6'5 guy. This is a long buildup to say that Xavier Leggett had a fantastic day, too. He looked like a completely different wide receiver. He was sharp in and out of his breaks, good on his cuts, earning separation. And for a guy that I, I, I can't remember if we talked about this on the day one show, but I'm going to bring it up again here. For a guy that I'm not sure that he's fully healthy uh, since this entire process, day one drills in the gauntlet, he looked tentative, if, if not moving gingerly in that drill and throughout the routes. I mean, he just looked like he was lumbering. And so I was not high on him entering day two, but he's looked like an entirely different player. He still has the compression sleeve over his left lower leg, whether it's a calf, we don't know. Nothing's been announced. There's no rumors floating around here in Mobile. And sometimes you get that where we hear stuff down here about, 
oh, well, so-and-so's banged up, and there's some guys we're going to talk about later. Maybe there's some interesting buzz about. But Xavier Leggett, we haven't heard anything about, but I got to give the guy his praise. He crushed it on day two. He will be in the winner's category when our article goes live. For me, and I know I know that y'all are going to sing the same type of praises, but as a player that I was not high on entering Mobile, he had a fantastic day, and I want to see him build on that entering day three. Froton, a wide receiver winner for you. Yeah, obviously echoing the sentiments of Debro with Xavier Leggett. Um, as we had talked about a little bit, uh, I thought that he was just trying to get vertical too much yesterday. He wanted to have the highlight real play. He wanted to stack, you know, the the corner and have the the, the real the centerpiece of that that big fly. But today he was breaking off his routes, and it's almost like he used those those flies yesterday to kind of set things up because. His breaks much much more crisp, much more clean than I think we we're really expecting, given the six one two twenty three, you know, frame. Uh, obviously, we saw fluidity on tape, but um, the kind of the the ramp down ability is what we saw today, and that is just as important, if not more, for a guy that's big like that, uh, with, like Leggett, to show that ability to manipulate defenders coming back to the ball, not just going deep. Uh, that being said, you were right. Another one echoing uh, Leggett, but Anaya Smith for Texas A&M, you know, not a, a guy who's fairly long in the tooth. We've, we've heard a lot of Anaya Smith. He's been around for a long time, started out as a running back at Texas A&M. He's been through a couple of different coaching regimes, you know, um, and then this year when their starting quarterback, Connor Wegman, who has a big arm and has legitimate pro potential, over the course of the next two years, he gets hurt. In comes Max, Max Johnson, the backup, who has a pop gun noodle arm, and he literally couldn't throw the boundaries. In comes Anaya Smith, really emerged when they have, you know, a, more of a limited quarterback. So much work over the middle and a lot of contested catch work, too. You saw that today, uh, working the middle of the field, doing, you know, it, the manipulation that he was able to do to the slot corners. Like, he was just toasting not just once or twice. I mean, he had four or five catches in, uh, you know, just a, a, a short half-day session that were eye-openers. So, um, you know, a guy who was kind of in the middle, you know, in terms of renown coming in, big day two. I'm going to go, for my winners, I'm going to go guys on the exact opposite side of the size spectrum. And I'm going to toss out Johnny Wilson to start. And then a guy way way off the beaten track that, that caught my eye today, Jaquan Jackson from Tulane, the little buzzy slot receiver, punt returner guy who kept winning downfield. But to start with uh, Johnny Wilson, a guy that we wanted to see shifted to tight end, the tight end position, I think the bad news is that, or the good news, depending on the way you want to look at it, he's performed well enough in the receiver drills. I don't think we're going to see that tomorrow. This was the day, the transition day, where last year we saw Elijah Higgins from Stanford move to tight end because he failed at receiver on Tuesday. He failed at receiver on Wednesday. And it was like he threw his hands up heading into the last day of senior bowl practices. was like, all right, fine, I'll, I'll be a big slot tight end now. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen with Johnny Wilson. That's what we wanted to see. We all think he could be a Darren Waller type matchup nightmare there. 
Uh, but he has been playing very well as a receiver. Day one was more up up and down, I'd say. Definitely wasn't a, a stock down, but it was just, you know, sort of up and down. Today was more of the ups. Um, and what I particularly appreciated with Johnny Wilson, it's, you know, the, the north-south athleticism speaks for itself. The, the ridiculous uh, frame and then the catch radius it gives him. The highlight reel uh, catches and different stuff like that. That's one thing. I thought today he displayed more nuance. The outbreaking routes in the short intermediate route, the inbreaking routes, going across the field. And and then in particular, the, the other thing that really helped today, he wasn't dropping the ball. It's a question that we all have about him. He has the elevated career drop rate, 12, 12.5%, whatever it is, over his collegiate career. He needed to be clean with the ball here. Today he was getting separation. I didn't see him dropping any balls. So, so Johnny Wilson is, is a big winner in terms of that. And then as far as that Jackson kid, kid way off the, the beaten trail as far as these receivers down here. Someone that not a lot of people uh, were talking about. I mean, just as far as the, the throwing goes, Tulane had a bigger prospect in terms of that, Michael Pratt, right? Like, But this Jackson kid comes out today. He's gaining separation consistently. And then he's this little squirt of a slot receiver, like I was saying. He was winning downfield today. He was singeing people and then completing the plays downfield. Now, you do have to say the one-on-ones are easier for on the offensive side, of course, and for the shifty, small, quick receivers, it's more advantageous for them. So is this like a, you know, surge to the moon kind of a thing? No, but it was very impressive for a guy that that some of us thought maybe he would have to get into the league or stick initially through return utility he showed a little bit more as a receiver today um so you definitely give him a stock up in terms of that uh d bro was there any receivers today uh that you you didn't like their work as much well so i'm I'm gonna bring up a few different guys and kind of open this up to to round robin this for us because i'm not gonna say they were stocked down guys but as high as we all were about Roman Wilson after day one, I felt like day two was much quieter for him. And I could say the same thing about Lad McConkey. Like we were hoping you see these banner day ones and they come out in the fireworks and all the things, the streamers are popping off and these guys are and they're getting all the social media, you know, puff and praise. Not to say that it's not deserved, but you want to see that them continue to build on that and keep the buzz going. And, for Ladd, didn't see that happen. He had a very quiet day two. Roman Wilson, again, I'm not saying he that either one of those guys had bad days because we saw them get jammed up at certain times. I'm not saying that, like, the other part of it, uh, in the team drills, neither one of these guys drew a lot of targets, and especially from McConkie, like, he was very active day one. I think I only saw him draw one or two targets in the team drills, and not to say he didn't do a, a ton with it, but considering how both of these guys started the week, I, I don't think that it was it was a situation where you want to say they were losers, but did they continue to help themselves in the eyes of their draft stock and the draft community? I don't think that you can answer that with a definitive yes. Um, another, but, I mean, tell me if I'm wrong here, guys. Like, do you think, uh, I'll kick this to Froton first, like, do you think Roman Wilson and Ladd both helped themselves in day two? Because I can't say that they did. Uh, undoubtedly it was uh it seemed like the focus turned to other players during the team sessions absolutely the one-on-ones are the one-on-ones 
you know, they had their moments, uh, you know, but, uh, you know, decidedly, it, it's undeniable that they did not put off the fireworks they did in day one. And, and that's a very fair criticism, I'd say. I don't know. And like you're saying, you know, after they already went and looked so amazing day one, I mean, can you call them losers? You know, I, like you said, you know, it, it's for lack of a better term. Sure. But um, I would just but if you're say talking they about guys that like we were projecting maybe round three, round four. If the hype built, could they get into round two of the NFL draft? I don't think either one of them put a stamp on that today. No, no, certainly not. You know, obviously they were not featured. It wasn't. Um, there was certainly other players that stepped up that were more prominent, that did more things to elevate themselves. And and that's a very uh, you know fair criticism. I look forward to see how day three goes for those two. This discussion is exactly why players opt out after day one, D-Bro. You're, you're, we're going to get more opt-outs out there I mean, after day fair. one. They set the bar super-duper high. I didn't think they, they embarrassed did. themselves today. But, no, you know, I'm not saying yeah. that. I didn't think that they, they embarrassed were, they themselves. They definitely weren't as good as Tuesday, for sure. They I didn't embarrass themselves, but as far as adding buzz versus guys like when we were down here last year, did Michael Wilson consistently add buzz every single day of the week? Yes. Did Tank Dell add buzz every single day of the week? Yes. When Christian Watson was here two years ago, did he blow it out every single freaking day he was here? Yes. So as far as continuing to add to that type of hype, I don't think that either one of them did this. But I'll, before we transition to the other guys, a few questions from the chat here. How do we feel that Ryan Flournoy, a guy that our own Mike Mayer has has really, really loved this entire process? So shout out to Mike. But um, Thor, I'm going to ask you, what kind of day did you think how do you feel about Ryan Florida and how did he do in day two? I, he opened my eyes in day one. Um, I think his hands are the thing that jumped out about his film. Um, and that was the thing that jumped out about day one. Um, he moves around okay. I'm still curious to see the speed and the athletic profile overall. Uh, once he goes to the NFL combine, I don't think he's a bum athlete, but he's certainly not a burner. Um, and I wonder what the agility is as well. What I don't question about him at all is his hands. His hands are really, really good. He has ball skills. He knows how to create a little separation, like at the catch point without like getting called and then, you know, catching, picking the thing clean, everything like that. I, the hands are the thing I like. The athletic profile is, is what I'm looking for. Um, Tuesday, I thought was a better day than Wednesday. I didn't think he embarrassed himself today, but like Tuesday was like, a, oh man, like on his team, I thought he was the second best receiver on Tuesday, um, whereas today it was just more, you know, there was other guys who were impressing, and, and I didn't see as much of Florino as far as opening eyes. Yeah, I agree with that, absolutely. Uh, Froton, I'm going to keep this to you, man. Question from the chat and revisiting a previous talking point, but we want to put a, a bow on this. Do you think Roman Wilson and Lad McConkey felt like they showed enough on day one that they didn't try to do as much on day two? Uh, I think those guys are competitors, you know, it, definitely with McConkey. He's, he's, he's a dog, man. You know, I, I went and listened to some of his interview today at the podium and, you know, he wants it. He wasn't, he definitely mm -hmm. wouldn't say that himself. So, um, well, and, and I, I think I, it's to your point, I think it's like, why would any one of these guys rest on any laurels? Like this is the mm -hmm. spot where you come and you show the hell out the entire time you're here. Sure, I, I definitely think they were they were given it their all, but I, I do tend to side with the Thor 
you know, ethos on this, which is like, man, they went out and they did it yesterday. You know, I'm like, the reason I've why people it. leave after day one. I've seen <laughs> it. You know, like I can't get that. I can't get that jazzed up about today. Um, but um, you know, one one quick point about Fornoy, since he was brought up as well. Um, you know, Thor brought it up his hands. He was excellent. You know, and I thought he was pretty crafty. You know, with his routes too. He can he synced his hip okay. You know, he, he's. I, I thought there was there was plenty to like there, but what I'm really intrigued about is the way that he won on week one, which, like you said, was with his hands. Whereas during the season, what he did best is he's a yak guy. He's a guy who you get it in his hands and he creates 24 missed tackles forced in 58 receptions this year. That is elite, elite for a wide receiver. He put up that kind of a broken tackle rate. This isn't sort of a showcase that's going to allow you to do that because they're they're two handing you. You know, you're not going to be able to see him really break away, break away and house people and, and use that yak ability quite the way that he would in game conditions. So, um, you know, that's something to, to definitely remember about Flournoy that encourages me is I can't wait to see him in game situations where he can unleash that ability. Well, and, and that's also why it's important to get his athletic profile. You have to put in the caveat, he did that in the FCS. That game now translating. I mean, now we see him up against a lot of these Power 5 guys at this event. Going to be going to the NFL next. You mentioned the, the conditions here. You don't get to show that totally. I talked about uh, this with Kamani Vidal. About like, you know, Kamani Vidal last year finished number 2 in the nation in the FBS in broken tackles, missed tackles force. <laughs> And I was asking him, like, is that something you're able to show off completely at an event like this? And, you know, the defenders, they, you know, go 90% up until the, the moment they get to you. And then they're just supposed to wrap you. They're not supposed to smoke you or whatever. So it's it's hard to, to show that kind of stuff. But I think in terms of Flournoy's evaluation, I think that's why when he gets to Indy, can put in that missing piece for us. It'll be easier to project both as a route runner, how much athletic juice are we getting along that path but then also like you're mentioning is a thing like the broken tackles we saw at the fcs level is that something that's going to translate to the pros froton there was there was something i wanted to ask you about uh one of the the fallers i noticed on your receiver list was a guy that i actually listed today in the column that's going to come out later on fantasy bros as a jury out and so i, I sort of wanted to have this discussion with you because I we we haven't we haven't gone this far with it yet, but I'm wondering if you saw his day like I saw his day, but you're putting him more in the loser category for it. Um, but I I, I want to see right now. So give me your thoughts on Jamari Thrash's day today, and then I will give you mine. Okay, Jamari Thrash. First of all, uh, the the body type, the structure, I don't like it. So you can say, you know, confirm priors, whatever have you. I just think he's he's wafy. And when I've watched him coming into this, he didn't have the snap and the real uh, explosiveness that I want to see from somebody that has his relative lack of heft. Um, with today, uh, he had a couple of routes in the one-on-ones that uh, I thought he kind of just got swallowed up on. And then when he did win... It's like he didn't complete the play like you want to see him do when you're in a, a circumstance like this and you have an opportunity to shine. On one particular route that I'm talking about, he's lined up on the left side near where we were sitting. All right. One on ones, makes a move to the inside and kind of runs one of those bounce route type things. You know, goes 
takes a couple steps in, stop, hard pivot to the outside, and it was a short route, which is automatically going to be in the favor of the receiver, but he did. He got the the D back to kind of bite. As he's going back the other way, you know, the throw, it's it's high, but it's not that high. And it's there, and he just, it's all perfect, and he lets it bounce off his hands and ricochet. And it's like, he had so many times where I'm like, you, you want to see it happen. He finally does one. He snaps off a route, and he doesn't complete the play. And it was just sort of a, a microcosm for how I feel about Thrash and how I don't know if he's equipped for the physicality and the overall just aspect of uh, you know the NFL where he's going to be going up against guys who are bigger than him and just as fast, and he's light and not physical and uh, you know, dynamic, in my opinion, in the short area. Yeah, so the, the things that I really liked about him today was the, the route running, gaining separation thing, and, and where it went the other way was sort of what you were starting to get into. But what I wrote was Thrash was gaining easy separation throughout Wednesday's practice, showing a nice ability to slam on the brakes and throttle back up immediately in and out of his route breaks. Wow, good call. Thrash would have been a clear winner today, but he had issues with drops. I mean, not just the play that you were talking about. There was, and you saw lack of catch radius, some balls going just a little bit outside of his reach. Mm -hmm. But you also saw multiple ones that literally clanged off of his hands after he had won the rep. He had won the separation. The ball was there, and it clanked off his hands. And what I put in my write-up was that he would have been a clear winner, but the issue with drops, I can't give him a free pass on. He has not earned that benefit of the doubt because last year he had an 11.3% drop rate. Jamari Thrash is not Johnny Wilson. You are not six foot seven, 240 pounds. And if you fail at receiver, you get to be potentially Darren Waller as a move tight end. If Jamari Thrash fails at receiver, he's going down to the UFL and he's going to try it there. Um, but there's nowhere else to fail for him along the position spectrum, to use a, a baseball term like that. He needs to be able to catch the ball. I was uh, 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 by you by the by the separation. The the route running was pretty good. You see that with the ball in his That's hands fair. more. You know, Louisville would, would, would manufacture, and before that, Georgia State, sort of manufacture the touches, and then it's like, you know, Thrash is doing his little jitterbug thing and, and trying to break tackles, whatever. And, and you were seeing that along the route. I like the separation he was getting. But to your point, multiple times, wh- whether the catch radius wasn't enough or whether the ball just straight clanged off his hands, for me it was a jury out thing, but I could see how you could put him in, 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 in the loser category as well. Been an up and down week for Thrash. Yeah, and keep and the other thing with him too, man, he went to Louisville, okay? He was at Georgia State for the beginning of his career. He transferred for one year to Louisville to be – Jeff Brom and Brian Brom, you know, who moved over there from Purdue to be Rondale. They're Rondale Jones. More, excuse me. Like it's it's all there. They there is no more profitable from a college fantasy perspective, and even from just your producing in order to attract interest to the NFL. You want to be Jeff Brom's wide receiver one. David Bell, n- not. Not anybody who's blowing doors off uh, over there at Cleveland. Like, he was a god over there in that system. And and it's happened year in and year out. And the fact that Jamari Thrash, in in one of the most pass-heavy offenses that has existed over the last decade, could turn 
that offense into Jawar Jordan and Isaac Garendo pounding the ball, you know, fucking 45, 50 times a game between those two. And, and Jamari Thrash is just one of those guys in that receiving core when he went there to be the one. That concerns me and should concern anybody else that's looking at him and, and evaluating him to the NFL for fantasy purposes. Totally agree. Mo- moving to the, the tight end position, you know, I – we haven't seen a ton of standouts here, uh, if I'm going to be honest, but there's been one consistent one throughout both the days, which is Theo Johnson. Debro, you want to take your chance to wax poetic about Theo Johnson today? Because Froton got to do it yesterday. Yeah, man. I mean, look, for Theo Johnson, he was a black box prospect for me because I wasn't able to watch all 22 entering the process for him. So really, all I had for Theo entering this week was just the analytical profile. And it wasn't eye-popping like it wasn't if I'm earmarking guys that okay do they have analytical profiles to where there's receiving upside receiving utility things like that entering the NFL Theo Johnson was not a guy that was like really on my radar like his best uh, metrics over the last two years was in 2022 and he was top 30 in PFF receiving grade yards per route run not terrible not great 2023 was not a good year for either one of those metrics and Entering the this week, I didn't know what to think of him because I wasn't able to watch him before now. But guys, he's caught everything that's been thrown his freaking way. He's earned separation. He's won his one on ones, and I mean, legit. Like I think he's maybe not one, only one, maybe two reps out of the two days every time I freaking saw him. So, as far as from a tight end group, that I think from a fantasy perspective. It's kind of yawn. It's not a lot of guys that we're going to be talking about in the next three to five years as being high-end producers and receiving categories. These are much better NFL prospects than they are fantasy prospects. But if you're talking about a guy that could eke his way, and my write-up that'll be live later tonight is that I could see him, in my mind's eye, being a trusted number three or maybe possibly growing into being a trusted number three option in a an NFL passing offense and with his size he should be a red zone guy so maybe there's more fantasy utility than I was giving him credit based off of what I was able to work with coming into the week Froton I I don't know if you did you have a tight end winner and if not was there did you have any other thoughts on the on the tight end group today you know, Thor, I had kind of a Jamari Thrash in the tight end group from your perspective, where you had like the yin and the yang. I feel like that was Ben Sinnott today. You yes. know, um, and yes. in the past couple of days, mm-hmm. man, he does so many things where you look at him and you're marveling at this guy and he's making a difficult catch. And like he's he's snapping off a clean break looking good, you know, like and he's mobile. He he measured in at six, four and two fifty five. Like that's that's big. T- tight end territory here and i was i was really impressed with the movement skills but man he makes some mistakes and the drops again it's like dude he's doing things right and then he it's finishing the plays that i just have such a hard time with and i i know that there's you know sort of an ethos where yeah drops don't matter but yeah drops don't matter until they matter and if you're a coach quickest way you're a wide receiver coach you know and you're out there and you're seeing that guy get clean it doesn't matter if he's getting open and you need that that first down on third and seven, and he's he's punting that thing in the stands. 
good luck getting on the field. You can't be doing that as a tight end with targets that are closer to the line of scrimmage. The further downfield, the harder it is the catch. You can't be dropping passes within top the first 10 yards as a tight end. You put him as as the Jamari threat. I mean, I'm writing up him as a loser today just for yeah, all the reasons you just it. outlined, Froton. Like, <sighs> he earned separation. He got open at various times. Other times you saw him kind of get jammed up. But when he got open, he dropped the freaking ball. And it happened more than once. I mean, yeah. correct me if I'm wrong, guys. Like, what... What, what do we see out of him? It, I know at least two drops. Were, were there more than that? Because it, there were multiple drops on today's resume. Yeah. We, we saw multiple drops. And that's, you know, with, with, with him, you're, you're talking about, is this guy true in line? He, I think he played two-thirds of his snaps, uh, Kansas State in line, and was a, a solid blocker uh, for the Big 12 but he lacks the power, and sometimes you would see him try to load up, lunge into guys, uh, different stuff like that, where in the Big 12, you're not going to get into those problems because you're not against the war daddies. If he does some of those things, could be a bigger problem at the NFL level. Will the body hold up there? So you you saw some people coming into this event. Mel Kuyper was one of them. I know didn't put them in their tight end rankings. They're projecting them more as move guys, H-backs, whatever. You're trying to figure out with Sanat, like, can you be an inline dude? Uh, totally. Do you have to be, you know, something more like that? Um, you want to see the the receiving utility. And and like you guys said, it's it's been up and down. There, there's the movement skills, I, I think, is something that has impressed us. Finishing off some of the plays, maybe not quite so much. Thor, so I, I, I want to get some clarity from you on that. Like, well, I guess a definitive kind of clear take here. Do you think that he, okay, so I'll, I'll leave this off here. I think Sonat is a clear tight end. I think all the H-back talk is because he's a good blocker and he was used as a lead blocker in their offense. I don't think that he's going to be an H-back in the NFL. I think he's going to be a tight end, but Thor, you and Froton, tell me I'm wrong here. What? Do you, how do you project him moving forward? Because I think a lot of that is more the utility that he is a good blocker and how he was utilized and not necessarily how I'm going to project him to the NFL. Yeah. I mean, I, I do think he can handle in line. Um, but yeah, you're, you're talking about a guy that came in here to this event measured in, I guess he measured in a little bit uh, heavier than, than what he was listed at at, at Kansas yeah. state came in yeah, at, did. at two fifty four. Now six, four, they said he was six, four flat. Um, but yeah, I, I think his listing two forty five or whatever, so at least you see that uh, the the height thing we'll we'll have to see on maybe it's six three and a half maybe mid six four uh, something like that but yeah no I I do think he can handle uh, in line especially if he can uh, hold you know carry that two hundred fifty five pounds or whatever uh, for sure and he's move you know like we said it's not the movement skills here uh, that was disappointing us right like I yeah, mean he, yeah, he is winning yeah. some of those reps and he's doing it at a bigger size. So no, well, I, and, I agree. And not with to you, push bro. back against Kuiper, like I just feel like the H back stuff is a bad narrative. That it, I, I'm not saying not just a bad narrative, but I feel like it's a bad projection just based off of what he was asked to do in college, and not necessarily framing him perfectly as a player. But go ahead, Froton. Yeah, you know, I, I don't have any problem with with what you're saying here. I'm, I'm pretty much in in league with what you're talking about. I think he can be a tight end. Uh, he's not six, one and a half like Jaheim Bell. We're seeing. Out yeah, here, you know oh I mean? man. 
He, he looks cool. like he's tall enough. I mean, he's not Jared Wiley. Jared Wiley is a certified giant out there. Easy. Like, dude, he is. He And he's got, like, this huge jaw. Like, he looks like the classic, you know, uh, large jaw. Like, he's a – I wouldn't mess with Jared Wiley. He's the guy out of this no. class. And but, you want to um, have the tweener talk? I mean, Jaheim Bell is the—he's the tweener poster child right now. It's not—it's not, it? it's not Ben Snot. It ain't Senate. Yeah, nope. give, give nope. Jaheim nope. Bell. Nope. We nope. have it's him. Jaheim Bell. Yeah, he's the guy like on the front of the poster saying, "Hi." Yeah, he's the the Jalen Samuels. He's the guy that we talk about. It's like, well, if there's gonna be a Jalen Samuels, it's gonna be J- Jaheim Bell. Like that's the that's the comp. Tonight, if I may plug in advance, all of us, the panel here, are going to be live on YouTube for a senior bowl wrap up show. So please join us live. We'll also be on the podcast uh, feed. If you happen to be busy, then Debra, we we've, we're, we got two days in the books. Last day of practice is coming. What is one thing that you want to see at practices? I want to see, and I talked about this earlier. Um, I want to see if he's able to get build on today's really big bounce back. I want to see him cement that and help himself a ton to not only prove the truthers right, but to prove doubters like me wrong. Because as much as we talk about all these kids, we're not rooting against any of these kids. We want them all to succeed and be good NFL players, but it's up to them. All we're doing is reporting how they did throughout the day. And, and Leggett, go, go, go ball out, young man. Froton, what's one thing you want to see tomorrow? Well, I wanted to see more Javon Baker today. I didn't get what I wanted, unfortunately. <laughs> yep. yep. You know, call. we haven't mentioned him yet, but Good still, call. you know, we're just isolated here and there, but I'm waiting for him to put it together still. So, um, but tomorrow, what do I want to see? I want to see the QBs take the shackles off. I want to see some fireworks, baby. I want to see him testing it, you know, interceptions. I don't care. Whatever. Let's see some deep ball. Let's test it in some of these team drills and really, really put some stress on these cornerbacks here. So I want to see Bo Nix dialing it up. One thing I want to see tomorrow is today. One thing we haven't brought up yet. We saw Sione Vaki, the stud safety from Utah. Yeah, good call. Practicing, doing the routes, practicing as a running back. Showing the two-way versatility that we saw during the season. Ran for 158 yards against Cal. Right, Had a couple of touchdowns. He was doing his Eric Weddle thing. I would like to see tomorrow. I, I don't want to go back to the Johnny Wilson thing. But I, I would sort of like to see Johnny at tight end for just a little bit. Just Nagy, just give us like a little taste. And and the other guys there that can do it. You know, the, the, for instance, the offensive linemen that have some of that swing versatility showing us at some of those other different positions. Uh, we saw some more of that uh, in, in recent years, maybe not so much of it uh, this year so far, but Thursday is typically when you see some more of that stuff. I mentioned last year, that was the day Elijah Higgins was moved full-time over to tight end. I would like to see some more stuff like we got to see with, Va- it was very fun watching Vaki oh, running his pass routes and doing his thing yeah. out there. I would like to see some of, because we have a lot of prospects here who have the the multifaceted skill sets, different stuff like that, proven. We also have guys where we have theories about. Our Johnny Wilson theories are just theoretical theories that we would like to see borne out for at least a couple reps here. Uh, But some some of these other guys, let's see them up against some of this top competition. I would like to see a bit more experimentation with some of those guys' usages tomorrow. 
Can we, can we also talk about it? And we, we mentioned Johnny Wilson. I kind of teased this earlier, but I know that we don't have any clarification about that, but just to throw this out there, everybody, we saw Johnny Wilson and everything he did in the one-on-ones today after one-on-ones, we didn't see him in team drills. We didn't see him in seven on seven. We didn't see him at media day. And I'm not saying that he's hurt. I'm not saying that he left mobile. I'm not saying any of that. We saw him briefly. We saw him briefly in the hall at, at, at media, but he was not available for, for comment. We didn't get a chance to interview him and talk with him, but I, I want to see Johnny Wilson. I, I, I want to see him back at practice tomorrow, man. Like I, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm curious do we see him tomorrow? We were curious about that too. Uh, he looked to be moving fine in the hallway. Uh, of the, yeah. Of, I mean, for, you know, but no, there was a lamp. We didn't see anything like wrapped up and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. you know, we're not and, out here reporting what's not happening. So we got lucky today with, with, you know, not as many opt outs, you know, after day one, a lot of times yep. you, you see a few more of them. Uh, I'm guessing we're going to get some opt outs tomorrow. I don't want to yep. toss out a name. Uh, you know, it's just, uh, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. But I, I hope we get more or less close to a full compliment, and I hope we get to see some position experimentation. Everyone here, thank you for joining us today for another episode, Fantasy Pros live from the Senior Bowl. We will be back tomorrow live, five p.m. on YouTube. This time we've been on Instagram the last two nights. We will be on YouTube tomorrow night, five p.m. Central. That's six p.m. Eastern. Please join us then live. It will also be on the podcast feed if you happen to be busy then. But until then, for my colleague Derek Brown, for Eric Froton, I'm Thor Nystrom. Good night for Mobile, and we will see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Pros Fantasy Football Podcast. If you love the show, the best free way to support us is by leaving a positive review on Apple Podcasts at fantasypros.com slash review or on Spotify. Follow us on X, Instagram, and TikTok at Fantasy Pros, and subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash fantasy pros. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. You deserve to treat yourself, so turn your tax refund into a U-fund and give yourself a Straight Talk Wireless Extended Silver Unlimited plan and get a new Samsung Galaxy A14 on them. You can get a great everyday value on wireless with Straight Talk's Unlimited plan starting at $25 a line per month for four lines. You'll save so much, you'll be enjoying that refund all year long. It's the refund that keeps on refunding. Find Straight Talk at straighttalk.com or at your local Walmart store. Taxes and fees not included. Offer valid through 41424 while supplies last. Online only. Must purchase a Straight Talk Extended Silver Unlimited plan to qualify. Limit of five phones per customer. Family plan discount with four lines all on the Silver Unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. 
The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer.